All right, you ready, John? I'm never ready. By the way, I'm, I'm going to leave that in. Is, isn't that how we used to start the show? Did we do it? Did we play the intro we live? We played it live, I think. Um, but anyway, I'm leaving that part in about you not being ready. So should we, I don't know how much we should, what's it called? Breaking the fourth wall or some wall? We always do that. Do we? Okay, we have that's to. That's true. So we the, have to thank all our Patreons <laughs> for, for the support <laughs> that allowed us to buy new equipment. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, everyone. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's just do this real quick because this is probably boring stuff. But we are uh, currently on a completely new audio um, rig setup with a new audio interface and mixing. And the big difference here is we are live producing this show. Live to tape, basically, since we're not broadcasting and no one can listen right now. But what normally happens in post, so... Um, which is, I mean, there's some, a little bit of editing. So the only thing we have to do is like, we usually put, tack the intro onto the front, tack on an outro if necessary or whatever. Um, and then, but in our, in our, in post is when like things get EQ'd and they get, you know, compressors and limiters and noise gates and, and process and noise reduction filters and all that kind of crap. And that's how you get that amazing, amazing sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are foregoing all of that and everything's happening live um, before we didn't have the capability to do we could we could mix so we could you know we could bring in all these different signals you know someone on Skype three or four people in, in the studio here whatever like and we could mix all those together live so that we can at least hear each other but what gets recorded is raw signals from each of those channels well now what's happening is we're still all getting mixed but all the noise gates and EQs and compressors and limiters and leveling and um you know, we don't do any reverb or any that kind of crap, but I mean, that's all happening live right now. So what John and I are hearing is the actual final, what's being the processed signal that's recorded, whereas we never had heard that before. We, we heard raw stuff. Oops. Um, sorry about that. We heard raw stuff. And, and so you didn't really know how it was going to sound. I mean, so it also limited your capabilities to make sure your mic technique was right. I mean, you could to some degree. I mean, you can tell if you're too quiet or, you know, you're whatever, getting, yeah. getting weird or something. Um, but it's just better now because you can, you know, if you, you know, there's a noise gate, there's a live noise, or, you know, whether it's live or not, there's a noise gate. And if you, if it's not live, then you don't know if you're talking loud enough to break through the noise gate or if you're doing something, some little weird thing with your hands or whatever, um, you don't, may, may not realize you're breaking through the noise gate. So, it, so this is all live produced, um, which is kind of cool. It's just fun. It's different. But also it allows us, if we, if we do want to start the live thing again, um, live broadcast, we can actually broadcast the produced um, the pr the final produced product. It's 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 happening live, right? Um, so it'll sound better. On and this is the first time in a, and I don't ever remember doing this, but certainly the first time in a very 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 long time that we actually hit the intro music button and we sat there and listened to it live. What was happening? Normally that gets tacked on, in in post. Yeah, I seem to remember us when we first started out that we we played it live because, well, I don't. I, I think we did because it was hard for us to get started without hearing that music. Maybe. Do you remember that? Oh, I had to get drunk. <laughs> yes. We had to listen to the music. It's part of the process. And then, then we would start. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm already hearing. Um, I mean, I can hear flaws in the current setup right now already. And hopefully we'll be able to 
I mean, it'll uh, just take time. Well, yeah, we'll tweak these settings, yeah. and and that's. I mean, it took us a long time to get audition figured out. Or that's you. true. Oh I my mean, god, I, I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of mutations and permutations of our settings that I've gone through. Well, it still sounds better than our episode zero one through <laughs> probably a hundred. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully it sounds decent, um, and it hopefully sounds good. But um, and and. Long term, I may decide because I'm a finicky bastard. I may decide that I don't like this, <laughs> and we're we're going back to the old way. I don't know. Um, anyway, so that's the uh, that's the backstory. So what's going to happen when I drop my f bombs? Because you know I will. Well, uh, that's that's the other part about this. There is no post, so we can't <laughs> do that. And also, you can't go on some drunken tirade that's like politically incorrect either. <laughs> <laughs> That has never happened. I don't know what oh, you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no, never. I just, it was just a hypo, pure hypothetical. I don't job. get political. What are you talking about? Oh, uh, yeah. We try not to. It's uh, hard. Hey, John, this is your weekly reminder that you're responsible for title ideas. I so, thought that's what we had the live feed for. Well, we, that, we need to put that back on. I know. I know. Well, that was, that was actually the, just from a lazy perspective, a crowdsourcing perspective, John. Um, yeah, that's the, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice getting titles. But anyway, so. Well, you are uh, freshly back from Disney World. Disney, Disney World. Yeah. Oh, I got you something. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, you're not going to do that on the show, are you? I have to. Okay. Hold on. You're, you're unprepared. See, John gets locked. He, he gets locked into the setup here. He's I got, do. You're, you're trapped in by your boom stand there. And Can you, I just throw it at you? You're, I don't want to just like throw it at you. You're wired down. Here. Mm-hmm. I got you a gift. I'm going to try to toss it, and you're going to try to catch it. Success. Okay, what ex- what exactly is this, John? I'm not I'm not sure what this is. <laughs> well, first of all, it's a it's a pin. Okay, so you would at Disney they have these things called um, pin trading, and so you wear this little oh. lanyard and you have your pins on it, and okay. you walk up to cast members or random people sometimes and ask if they want to trade pins, and you trade them off. It's oh, a, it's a okay. thing. Okay, um, is this a is that something that just happens at Disney, or is it? I think so. Okay, I don't. I'm I'm sure other people have adopted it, but. Uh, Anyways, I had to get you that one. Uh, that one's actually technically oh, from the movie I did, Up. I, I get it now. I get it. But now you get it. I get it. Can't. I didn't get it at first. So the pen, it's a bottle cap, and it says grape soda. Yeah. That's because you thought my friggin' my... Uh, Cho- all your beer chocolate like no soda. it was just that it was what was it It was like a chocolate vanilla chili no stout. I, it was a number of it was a it was number a of your beers that i that oh I, no it was it was the almond joy beer was it yeah you were like this is a grape soda i'm like what you're crazy you get your brain checked <laughs> <laughs> well i expect you to wear that proudly and, and uh when you're brewing okay no yeah. i will wear it I, i'll you're such a liar. be curious to see if someone wants to trade me though oh yeah that's a good pin too they're all expensive. It it feels heavy. Yeah. Of course, it's Disney. Everything's expensive. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, do you do you have any interesting uh, tales to tell us before we get on to the meat of the show about the trip itself? Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. It was busy still, considering it was October, and uh, it it was hot because it's Florida. But I did get a break with the weather because we had a lot of overcast without a lot of rain. Mm. So I got a lot of the cool breeze and. Overcast of that. On the days where there was full sun, it was pretty brutal. So as soon as you left to go to Disney, it cooled down here. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. We were watching the news because <laughs> I we we're with uh, my my parents or my wife's parents, and um, 
they're from Oklahoma and they were actually getting freezes or freeze warnings. Wow. Uh, so, but I, I, when we came back, it was probably what low seventies, maybe even sixties or something, high sixties. The day we came back, so it was it was really nice to walk yeah. out. Well, that's great today. What is it? On Sixty sixty seven right now. Yeah, I'll take a walk at noon, and of course I'm in shorts because I, I wear shorts until it gets to be like freezing. Yeah, <laughs> but I was taking a walk out around the ponds, and um, it was cold. I was like taking all the. I normally take the the shady paths because it's normally hot. Mm-hmm. I was taking all the sunny paths. Yeah, like, man, I'm. But that's nice when it's cold out and you get that full sun. That's just that that feels incredible. Yeah, no, it is. It's nice. Um, I'm not complaining. At least it starts to feel like fall now. Yeah. Well, uh, did we talk about? So yeah, I've I've been covering this WeWork thing just because I think it's fascinating. What a complete freaking maniac the CEO is, and it. What's crazy about it is that he's been able to build the to the business to this size, being absolutely insane. Uh oh. What was that? I don't know. Did you hear that? I did. Uh-oh. Anyway, we're still recording. Just cut out for a second. Did you I hear guess. that? Oh, you know what? I wonder if that was our headphone thing. Anyway. Uh, yeah, this, this, guy's, this guy's nuts. And he was able to raise billi- billions of dollars, I guess. I mean, how much money did he raise? Has, have they raised? I'm sure it's billions. Um, or at least their, their revenue is like in the three billions or something like that. But, but and no one, and I, I guess this... You know, his investors, none of them knew what a nut job he was. Oh, they knew. You think so? But they just thought, <laughs> that's the thing nowadays. You can be a nut job, have a company that loses a ton, a crap ton of money, and still have investor support if they think that you can build a big enough moat that you can start you know, rent-seeking, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and then they'll get to cash in on the profit on your rent-seeking operation. Yeah, it worked for Amazon, right? You know what? It kind of is. I mean, would you? When do you say that Amazon has built a pretty decent moat at this point? Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you compete with Amazon? It's pretty tough to. I mean, Google's having a hard time competing with Amazon. But do they even try? I mean, it's in terms of, um, wow, that's the thing. Amazon's in so many businesses now. But in terms of just like, just buy anything you want and it shows up on your doorstep in a day or two. Um, who's who's? I mean, Walmart has. Well, there's that, and then there's just the technology aspect of. Of AWS and everything that they're competing with. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm I'm just like leaving that aside for a minute. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, no one can compete with it, and so that's yeah, and 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 now they'll just. I mean, I guess you start turning the screws a little bit, or or, or no, adjust, adjusting the dials to. Yeah, because they they have transitioned to. It's become more of a matter of convenience. So you're not you're not in a lot of cases not getting the best price anymore. But it's still super convenient. Yeah, well, the Prime thing. Now, the first few years of Prime, it was actually a pretty good deal. But now you're basically just giving Amazon a hundred bucks as a, almost like a subscription fee. And because of the Prime items, I mean, you can actually get them at a cheaper price if you're willing to pay for shipping. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like you're not really getting that shipping as free as what you think you are. Right. Because you're paying a higher price for Prime items. Or you can make a buck on saying I don't need it right away. Sometimes you'll you get that uh-huh. option. Oh, they give you like a, a credit for digital goods or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I think I have a, well over a hundred dollars of credit on that now. I just don't ever. Well, you should cash it in. What would I buy? I guess. I mean, I guess. Can you buy uh, books with it? I mean, uh, ebooks. Probably Candle? buy. Can probably buy some Audible. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, they give you like a free book every month in Audible or something like that. Anyway, uh, there was a. Um, I noticed that again. My world's colliding here. So this article about Benioff and. This guy, Newman or Neumann? Oh, I saw this. Isn't that where he kind of says, 
he 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 the Benioff likes him that he's his friend and he doesn't think he did anything wrong or something. Yeah, so it says you know, um, okay, I guess it's, that story is that you know Salesforce co-founder Mark Benioff seems to have changed his mind about the WeWork co-founder. He said. Adam and I connect on leading values-driven companies that serve a larger purpose beyond making money. Of course, that's Benioff saying is so you can be a crook as long as long as you as long as you donate to the right charities. I'm not really a capitalist. I'm not really a billionaire. <laughs> okay, you have to. Th um, oh, where was I? Oh, I just highlighted something. So, uh, suggesting a, an earlier IPO. This is this other thing he's on. An earlier IPO could have forced the co-working company we work to clean up its act uh, in implying that. Uh, this guy Newman may have put profits ahead of ethics. That was that was his problem. He put profits ahead of ethics. Uh, going public is all about getting more money. But how is Cash it that he's putting profits ahead of ethics? There have been the, only the opposite of profits. That is the most anti-profit company there is at this point. We we work. So anyway, but you know that Benioff's on this big. Of course, he's, I mean he's on. A, he's going to start a book tour, right? He's got the book coming out, so we're going to start seeing. I mean, there's so much stuff that's uh, political, politically kind of tinged that I don't even want to get into because it's politically tinged. Right. Um, you know, he's going on the, this thing that we need, you know, we need the, the capitalism as we know it's dead. And, you know, we want Benioff-style capitalism, I guess. You know, maybe Benioff capitalism trademark or something like that. So we we want the government and the 1% to decide what's good for us. Yeah, pretty much. Because us plebes are not smart enough to to make our own decisions or to donate to the yeah. right charities. And, and or... let the corporations decide what and what and whatnot is regulated and how it's regulated. That, yeah. That's part of the moat and rent sinking, by the way. In fact, oh, that's... Oh, let's, let's, not, let's not forget about the most recent, the stakeholders. The homeless are now stakeholders. They have no money. Yeah. <laughs> they barely to survive, and yet they're stakeholders. I, I thought that was in this article, but it's not. No, it's um, another one. But I guess so. This is an earlier quote. Uh, Benioff said, Adam is, Adam is revolutionizing the way we work and reimagining how we live. Again, Benioff bought into this, this idea that we work was somehow changing how the real estate business worked, changing how we worked, how we lived. And no, no, they're not. They're renting a floor in a building and just subleasing it to you. Mm -hmm. And not even that. I mean, the, I think one of the problems that we work in these places have is I don't think they have, I mean, generally, um, they don't have long-term leases. So it's just all like month to month. I thought Which that is, was the problem. Is their their lease terms were too short, too long? Well, no, their leases on the buildings themselves oh, sure. are yeah, too long. Yeah, so they, they're on the hook for multi year billion dollars that that they can't cover because their lease terms are too short. Yeah, this floor run here because think, they're in because lease terms that they give to their customers are too short. Like the lease terms won't cover. I mean, every time I've gone to talk to WeWork, they just they don't ask for anything more than month to month ever. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean. I guess it's just it's for the audience that they're trying to go for it. That's that's kind of what we need. But John, if everyone's just month to month, how do you build up deferred revenue? And that's really hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, he said Adam and I connect on leading values-driven companies that serve a larger purpose. I think that was in the the, the summary. But um, yeah, Benioff tweeted his congratulations to Newman for being selected for the Time One Hundred. Um, Newman was selected for the Time One Hundred yeah. for what? I don't whatever that whatever time one hundred is. I guess most transformative people in the world, or something like that. I'm getting to the point where I I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Oh no, that's again. That's why I've been following this WeWork thing because the guy is absolutely nuts. And the story, this just the idea that these banks have given him billions of dollars to be an absolute hair on fire crazy man. I mean. 
I don't see how he's not in prison, first of all, for the shenanigans he's pulled. I mean, if that's not like defrauding his investors the way he's like, he sold them the name and then and then sold and then bought property and then sold it back to the company, all that kind of crap he was doing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm no, I'm no lawyer, but to, it, I, I think I you're, would. You're if I did that, I would know. I, would I go think, to prison. I think they probably knew. I think they probably had to approve everything. Maybe so. I mean, so they're all in on it. It's just a giant scam where it's just, it just, it all fell apart with, with, with the IPO when they started looking in detail at the finances and investors were like, ah, this is very shaky foundation. I don't think we can do this. Yeah. Or, or the valuation needs to come down because this is. This is way too scary. And and the problem is for the original, for, for all the existing investors, is they can't have the valuation come down. Right. So they'd rather not go public because it would immediately wipe out their investment if they went yeah. public. And that's what is kind of the opposite of <laughs> going, you know, doing an IPO. Why, Jeremy? Can I ask that? Because they're capitalists? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I like a lot of Benioff's message when he, when he, I mean, the whole just like, I mean, businesses should be more ethical than a lot of them are. Um, there's, there is. But he's lot. acting like he's, he's, to quote his book, trailblazing, when just about every enterprise company out there has some form of, of give back contribution or, you know, give you hours to go and donate and, and work at some place. I mean, it's, it's not like a new thing. No, it's not. They just I don't mean, advertise it as heavily as Salesforce. <laughs> they don't put it in your face as heavy as Salesforce, but they all do this stuff. Yeah. Whether it's for, you know, tax reasons or because they, that's just part of their, their culture and they really believe in it. Just like, you know, I'd, I'd say Salesforce included in that, but they don't advertise it as heavily as that. Yeah. And the, the weird thing with corporations, just while we're on that topic about the corporate philanthropy, I guess, is, I mean, it's it's good, I guess, but just as the like the corporate, you know, like double. There's the whole double taxation thing, so the corporation pays tax, mm-hmm. and then whatever's left over that the that goes to the shareholders, they then pay tax on that. It's it's kind of the same thing with that. Like, I mean, if you know, I don't know, Chase, if J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, s- spends you know a billion dollars on charity in a year, that's a billion dollars that didn't go to the shareholders. And, and that's a billion dollars less that the shareholders could choose to be charitable with. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, I mean, I don't know. I guess you, at least you're, you're at the top of that filter. You're guaranteeing there's some kind of charity happening. But I mean, a lot of the charity, if you look at it, it's, it's, it's just a lot of it's donating to like other charities, which are somewhat questionable, some of them, and, and like NGOs and stuff. I mean, since when did giving to NGOs? I mean, I, I mean they're technically non, they're nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So... You can deduct their their considered charities, I guess, or their their tax exempt or whatever it is, where you can d- deduct your your donation. But I mean, it's it's like I don't know. I look at some of these NGOs, and a lot of them are a lot of them are uh, super shady operations. Like you would not agree with what they're doing, you know, that type of thing. I mean, I'm not top, I'm just speaking in general about a lot of where this what's supposedly charitable where where it's actually going. It's not it's not the kind of charity you would think. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's, again, it's, it's, um, that's, that's less money that companies can pay their employees with and, 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 and because I mean, the money, you know, profit either eventually either it's, it's going to go to employees or it's going to go to, uh, shareholders. It's not really only two places it can go. And if you're any money that the, the, the companies out there are spending on charity is money that the employees and investors don't have to spend on charity. 
Um, so I don't know. Interesting. I've always wondered that how that how that works. Because I and I guess what made me think about that is like my company when I've I always I'll be like okay I want to donate to this thing and mm -hmm. I, then I'm like well should I should I donate to it or should my should I have my company donate to it and for me it's almost the same because if I donate personally as long as it's a qualified charity then I can deduct that from my taxes right. and if my company donates to it well that's just less money that ultimately gets to me so I don't pay tax on that and, yeah. and, nor, and neither does a company because it's again it's um it's deductible. And so, but but it, but it made me realize. Like, wait a minute, huh? That's interesting. All this money that my company donates—that's that's money that I can't, that I wouldn't be able to use to donate. And I have to choose which entity gets to gets to be the donator. Right. And sometimes it's just like whichever entity. Like if for some reason the business needs to get credit for it or something like that, like I'll do it through the business. But that's that's what made me start thinking about that. That this corporate philanthropy, it's 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 a zero sum game in a way. Well, yeah, and not to mention, I mean, it doesn't make it any less valuable to the. I mean, I'm not saying it's any less valuable to the to where the money's going. It's just it is a zero sum game. Yeah, and I, I guess the only other point I would make on that is just that it it takes money away from from your local community as well. I mean, you're not you're not able to kind of make those personal connections with whatever charitable organization or or, or event or something that you're trying to support. Um, you're sending all your money to San Francisco. Well, <laughs> or no, whatever. Like, and again, a lot of it goes to these charities that are almost like aggregators. They right. it's like a bunch of money gets given to these big charitable organizations, which then donated out to all these other ones, and then they kind of donated out. And at some point, theoretically, dollars actually go to help actual people who need dollars, right? Yeah, but if there's enough middlemen in the way, I it know. gets chipped away, and I, there's really nothing left. Trust me, I know. I, I, I do the charity navigator and all these things to, to see how this money is being spent. Because you want to see how much money actually makes it. I mean, even like a 50% ratio is considered pretty good. I mean, some of these charities are horrible. It's like anywhere from none to like 10% of the money actually goes to help people. Yeah. So you gotta watch yeah, that I, I think, I think just in general, I mean, it, it, for me, it's, it's not so much that companies shouldn't be ethical and they shouldn't be philanthropic, I guess is the right word to say. I just, I just always preferred that to be a personal decision rather than a, you know, much larger entity, whether it's a company, a corporation, or even the government. I just prefer that to be a personal decision of mine that versus someone else dictating where the money that I provide them goes. Yeah. The other thing I've been, I'm just, again, Benny Off's on this, basically what's a, a book promotion thing. Um, what was that? He did the big interview that got a lot of, when he started talking about we need a new capitalism or capitalism is we know it's dead and all that, that, that made a lot of headlines. Well, I mean, because what, what is he actually saying? Is he saying, what's the alternative to capitalism? You know, Benny Off is not exactly like an economic, um, <laughs> you know, th or philosophical uh uh, leader, so I don't think anyone's actually taking any of this seriously. He's just, but he's the CEO of a big company that that's important. So you know, when he says, I mean, you know, it's your CNBCs and your Bloomberg's or whatever. Well, I read the CNBC, CNBC article on it, and they they were kind of one foot in one door, one foot in the other. They were knocking him on being the billionaire, saying capitalism is bad, who became a billionaire through capitalism, mm -hmm. and yet excusing it in other ways by saying oh yeah but this this needs to happen and this is good and this is good and this is good so was, they, were, they were just kind of walking that line as straight as they could right mm -hmm. down the middle well one of, so one of the things he said that i thought was interesting was that um uh you know billion he said he was saying billionaires uh, need to pay more he's pulling the warren, Buff, warren buffett thing right billionaires need to pay more taxes i want to pay more taxes what about the bernie billionaires shouldn't exist <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a lot of B's. Benioff, Bernie, and Buffett. You know, I wish I, I wish I had a B for a last name. I'd be a billionaire. That's why you have to be careful who you get into ideological bed with. Right? Because yeah. it, it may it may start to backfire a little bit on you. But the thing is, like, you know, because I've always, you know, observed, I would say, I guess, um, how Salesforce has this business model as as of running as a mar- either not profitable or marginally profitable company. I mean, they're huge, right? They're mm-hmm. and they're they're twenty. What are they? Twenty years old now. They're fifteen billion dollars a year. The old school model. Like if you look at where Microsoft or Oracle was at this point in their lifetime when they were making this much revenue and at this you know age right of their company, um, they're majorly profitable. You know, like billions of dollars a year in actual net profit. And Salesforce is still writing this, you know, kind of just marginal. I mean, they're they're bending the curve a little bit, but it's still it's still, you know, quite uh, quite thin. Um, and the thing is, if you have a company that's actually quite profitable, the company's going to pay a whole lot of tax. So these billionaires that are getting rich off their companies, I mean, at least they're running a company that's paying its fair share of taxes. Companies like Salesforce and Amazon. I'm not. I don't mean to just pick on Salesforce. There's this. It, that's this model that's happening right now, especially with these subscription-based companies and everything, um, or just and also just these tech companies in general and web companies or whatever. Um, they're not very profitable, so they're definitely not contributing their fair share to taxes because companies only pay. I mean, it, they only pay uh, taxes based on profits. And we've seen famously how, like, you know, was it like Google or, or Facebook? I mean, Facebook even was it, it was just two years ago. They were still getting almost like the company version of earned income tax credit. They're getting money back. Mm. Instead of paying tax, they're actually getting money back. These companies are great about uh, not paying any tax. And it's like, well, I mean, if you think that rich people should pay more money, then how about the companies they, they're running? How about just run them profitably? And then you'll pay, be paying a lot of tax. But don't, I don't think it's, I think it's a little disingenuous to say, well, you know, I think billionaires should pay more money, more taxes when they're running their companies in a way that the, their companies are not paying their fair share at all, not even close. Well, it's, it's a, it's a nuanced topic because I mean, we can, we can say Benioff is worth 6 billion, but a 80, 90% of that is tied up in this stock. I mean, it's, it's not liquid. And, and when, it's and the the and tax so the tax, tax on his stock is different from his yeah, income tax. I mean, right. sure, he I think his salary is what in the millions, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like isn't it like twenty million or thirty million or something like that. It's it's. I well, mean, he, for, he he. I think he makes about that, but I think his salary is like one or two million or something like that. I don't remember exactly. And then the rest of the his income comes from his yeah. selling. He, of his, he, he of basically his stock. he basically sells somewhere around a million dollars of stock a day. Which is so he makes yeah he has a lot more income. Off of his, he would have a lot more income. Well, see, that's taxed. At that's what I'm saying. It's a different tax. Yeah, it's a different. It's a lower tax. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, he's. I mean, he. I mean, he pays a lot. I mean, he, he again, he's got a salary which he pays tax on. He's and he does pay tax when he sells stock. But like to your point, I mean, most of his value is still tied up in stock, which he's not paying tax on. And maybe mm-hmm. he's, maybe he's, maybe he's for a wealth tax because that's that's again the, you know, in air quotes, problem with our current tax system is that. You have these rich people that have a lot of money tied up in assets. They have, they're very wealthy, but they don't may not necessarily have a lot of income, and so they're not contributing very much. Certainly not in proportion to their wealth. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Wealth tax. Just make them pay a percent of their wealth every year. Anyway, I mean that's, that's, that's fine for them, but then <laughs> then it might creep into my world, and you know. Oh, I don't think we're I don't think we're anywhere close to that. I hope not. Anyway, 
I don't know that for years no one could define what uh, wealth, what what annual income we're qualified as wealthy. I mean, that was a huge debate as well. Where's the line? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, I don't know. Is it a hundred a year? Is it two hundred a year? Is it three hundred a year? It you know it was it was a, it still is a debated topic. Yep. What do you think is wealthy? Uh, not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't feel. I don't. Yeah. It's 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 amazing how. Well, it's amazing how, just in general, from from looking back at my life and what I started out making, which was not a lot, to where I am now, there's there's such a gap between there of what I'm making now to what I was making back then. But it didn't. It, I didn't end up with a surplus. You end up acquiring more things. I, I got more responsibilities. I got house, kids, cars, vacations. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you still. I mean, you feel like you're living very conservatively and humbly, yet. You still don't have. It's like you, there's still no money left over. Right. What? What's? I remember someone told me the five eyes. What? It's um, income tax, mm-hmm. interest, inflation. Um. What else? What are the other eyes? Insurance. Did I always say insurance. Mm-hmm. Insurance. I mean, we and there's one more. I can't remember what it is. But when you add up these, it's like I mean, those are. I mean, sixty percent of my money goes to those five eyes. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so no wonder I feel kind of poor. <laughs> Um, which in turn makes, makes, you know, leaves less to go yeah. around for charity. Well, John, do we have any, um, I don't know, more technical or juicy Salesforce topical information? For no, today? I know. I think we did okay at dancing around that very political discussion that Benioff has forced us into with, I mean, with his book and everything else. It's kind of hard to avoid because it's, it's all over in the news. Yeah. Um, but, uh, hey, I have a, I have a, I noticed something. I've, I've seen this starting to happen. And I think I find it interesting, but now uh, it's no longer they're not it's no longer called LWC Lightning Web Components. It's open source Lightning Web Components. What? And yes, mm-hmm. it's that's started to creep into the to the lexicon. That's how you that's how it's stylized now. And it's interesting because I don't know of, I mean, do you what other what other product got gets a prefix based on the it's based on whether it's open source? I mean, we don't call it the um, know proprietary closed source sales cloud well, so why is it open source lwc or you know i don't hear open source apache kafka or open source you know it's, it's weird but it's but i think i've tried to drill down on this today because i was talking to someone about this i think what it is is people are trying i think when they say that they're trying to make the point of how they're using lwc they're using them outside of salesforce so you can use mm-hmm. I think you can reasonably use Lightning Web Components you know, completely outside of a Salesforce context. And, and I think when they're saying open source, oh, I'm, yeah, I, I used open source LWC on that. What, they're, what, they're, what they mean is, oh, I used that LWC, I used it outside of Salesforce. But I could be wrong. I need to be, I, need to be, I don't know, I need to put that out there to the community and have, have someone weigh in Wasn't the, the, weren't they referring that to Lightning Out or is that something different? Lightning Out is what enables you to make those available, isn't that, it? That was... That was an aura thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I think I think that was. That still. Ran. I mean, it, that still, it so definitely lightning was. Out, lightning out still ran, was hosted, and, ran, and was the runtime was still Salesforce. Right. This is. I'm, this is. You know, you can run LWC now completely separate. I, at least that's what I think people mean by that. Otherwise, I don't see why everyone's saying open source LWC. Like that's the name of it now. <laughs> that's what it sounds like when people talk about it. 
Well, I mean, Lightning Web Components is already a mouthful, and they've got to add another <laughs> I know. another acronym to it. But o- OSLWC? That's, that's hard to say, too. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, let's see. So Salesforce, nothing in the news. The whole, like, we ditched Python in favor of Golang for Einstein Analytics. Just like that, huh? Well, I mean, I think it happened over a few years. But, I mean, the high points of the story is, guess what? Python is slow compared to more Why didn't they switch to Apex? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> I mean, they own it. They could make it as, profi- as performant and proficient as they need it to be, right? Uh, you, you remember James Ward? The, yeah. You know James Ward? Yeah. Okay. So he, he used to be... I don't... He had a couple of different roles at Salesforce, but... I think one of them was he was a de- developer relations for a while, and then he d- then he was actually uh, I think he was involved or kind of in charge of Salesforce's open source initiatives and whatever. Um, but he he tweets pretty prolifically, and he works at Google now as like a I don't know maybe some maybe like a developer relations kind of guy. And but he was uh, he was talking about like all the things that are exciting him about like Scala and uh, and just like functional languages in general and was like naming all these properties of them and I was like I replied and said hey can I do this in Apex <laughs> and he replied and said what's Apex <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think Apex is going to die it's going to die oh I don't know John I think it's going to hang on I don't think so the more we get in in web components in terms of access to data and, and that Everything else, I mean, I, I think we're heading in that direction. I think Apex is going to go away. I mean, it'll always be there for legacy, but I think... What do you think it's going to be replaced with? JavaScript. Nah. Yeah. Nah. yeah. You get nothing! You don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, JavaScript will give us the stepping stone, and that'll allow them to diversify the language, I think. Apex is going gonna, is, is gonna to die. I'm just saying. Hmm. That's my prediction. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so oh, by the way. Yep. We're coming up on... Q4, we got to start thinking about our predictions for next year. Just, oh just keep that in the back of your mind. I have so, much, so many other things to worry about between now and then, John. Whatever. I know, but... Like we always scramble at the end. I know. <laughs> just, thought, just thought I'd give did us we, some, some homework. Did we do those last year? Do we still do that? We did, but we, they were really rushed and unprepared. Yeah. We just kind of like, oh, we got to do that. Let's just come up with a bunch. Right. But yeah, anyway, so Einstein Analytics is now supposedly Go and Java. Okay. Salesforce still likes them some Java. I do too. I don't. Um, I tell you what, Java eleven and and I don't even know what's in twelve and thirteen. Honestly, I haven't. I think it's just minor increases in like uh, features. Mm-hmm. But between Java eleven and I also like to tack Lombok onto that. That's kind of like a. I don't know. It just enhances Java in a way. Um, between that and also Kotlin, I'm using Kotlin for a lot of things. Um, this, yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's pretty nuts. I mean. I, you know, if you're if you're a person who has been working in Java anyway, and so you're that you're just you know you know all the main tools and techniques and all that kind of stuff, um, it's a much better place than. I mean, I was I was pretty sad about Java. I would say like I don't know five years ago, mm-hmm. and now it's just man, it's it's pretty nice. Hmm. I feel like it competes really well. I was worried about Java being able to compete, especially with .NET because .NET was just like totally leaving Java behind. Especially just in terms of like language features. I mean, C Sharp mm-hmm. was just, and I, and I, I kind of feel like C Sharp had a little bit of kitchen sink issues. Like they were putting too much stuff in the language. But Java was definitely the opposite of that. It's Java needed so much help just at the language level. Um, but now it's you know, it's nice. 
I kind of, I kind of miss developing those languages. I, I, um, I've pretty much accepted my fate in developing an Apex in JavaScript, but I really would love to have a reason to to use those and and deep dive into either Java or or C sharp. I mean, obviously C sharp, I'm a little more proficient in than I am Java, which is pretty much zero. The integration world seems to be heavy in Java. I mean, I do a lot of integrations nowadays, and of course, I use like a, a lot of Apache tools for that, mm-hmm. and they're Apache. It's it's a lot of Java, um, but also um, MuleSoft is all Java, right? Total Java stack. Like it's native in inside its routing engine. I mean, the native. If you're just dealing with like native objects or whatever, it's mm-hmm. it's Java. I mean, if you want to use JavaScript or something like that, then you have to actually kind of transform into that. Into you can, but you have to. It's not the that's not the most native. The most native part of it is is Java. Mm. Makes sense. Yep. Uh, did you see that Benioff? Um, also, I guess also announced in his book why he didn't buy Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of revisionist history there isn't oh, it, it sure seemed like it didn't it it did like you know I, I i was pushing hard for it i even went to the meeting and still did the proposal but you know what that that little trip up that gashing in my leg or knee or whatever he did made me think twice and so when they said they didn't want to do it i was like you know what neither do i i slept on the sidewalk and split my leg and had other problems with my knee as i had blood dripping down my leg as i was pitching the bond rating firms Oh, he was pitching to them, I guess. I was thinking to myself, is this a sign? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be moving in this direction. But I so strongly loved my vision of what it could become. Eventually, our investors, who are a key stakeholder of mine, they said, no, we don't really want you to move in this direction. So it was, really, it was a sign from the universe is why he didn't. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, and then he, that was, it was the end of that where he said, uh, when you're in San Francisco... You and I know that if your stakeholder is not the homeless, I don't know who is. <laughs> I don't know who is it. Speaking, speaking it of seems homeless, like everybody's a stakeholder, right? Did you? See? I mean, the world is a stakeholder at this point. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I you know, in San Francisco, I, I don't know that I disagree with that. It's that uh, the homeless is such a core like feature of San Francisco now. It's built into the culture. It's something that everyone sees, everyone deals with in, in some way or another. Mm. Um, and I mean, you know, most people, are, you know, I think most people want to solve or they want to, or they want to try to help it or whatever, but everyone, everyone's just like clueless. Speaking of that, did you see this? Um, it was actually interesting, but also really bizarre uh, article. And I saw it in... Oh, what, whatever this is, SF Bayview, and also it was on some of the, something else called 48 Hills. I guess that's probably a San Francisco website. They probably have 48 Hills. I don't know. Kind of like Six Flags, mm-hmm. 48 Hills. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Seis Lagos. <laughs> what? <laughs> Six Lakes. Oh. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the title was, you know, Dear Mr. Benioff, no matter, how, no matter how many times you study me, it doesn't get me a home. But it was, I guess it was written by um, a lady Lisa Tiny Gray Garcia of Poor Magazine. And I, I guess she herself may be homeless, but anyway, she um, writes this long article about how, um, you know, they're, she's actually involved in this project. I think it's somewhere in Oakland, so across the bay, but to, um, they're, they're building like this, all this housing or something. And 
Um, she's basically just saying, hey, Benioff, instead of like spending $30 million on whatever, like uh, this study or whatever that you're doing is, um, she's saying, I would like you actually to redistribute 1 million of that to our project and we could build like, we could double what we've already done hmm. and building on this housing. Um, yeah, there was inter interesting quotes. Um, yeah, she says, with all due respect, how is $30 million study on homeless even close to an answer? And then she kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because there's all this weird terminology in here um, that I was like, what? I'm trying to find something. I don't know, but um, yeah, she, she kind of, she kind of dings them for the whole customs and border patrol. I guess they do. Salesforce says, you mm. know, does business with them. Um, you know, and here, even now she also talks about like the process of when they built the Salesforce tower, all the homeless people that lived around there and all that, you know, they're kind of sitting around and one day they, they hear like some foreman like yelling like get out of here and there or something like that and they start drilling and everyone's like what what's, what's going on um, but yeah she says even after all the work i have done i ended up homeless again due to the violent gentrification of san francisco resulting in becoming houseless again with my five-year-old son after receiving a 700 dollars rent increase in one month wow i mean i think i don't know to me that's like the problem with san francisco it's like Anytime you, it, it's, I, I don't think it's any different than some of these other cities, Manhattan or whatever. If you're trying to s squeeze that many people into a that small of an area, that's an affluent area. I mean, the only way you have to go up, that you have to go is up, both in altitude and in price, because mm -hmm. it's just such a scarce commodity at that point. Right. Especially if you're landlocked. So, I don't know. It just seems intractable because. Just another one of those things. I mean, all these, yeah, you know, she says. And so far, the first public event seems like a $30 million public relations campaign to talk about homelessness as a quote problem without talking with or hearing from the actual unhoused slash impacted people. I mean, I'm just pulling out like out of context quotes. It's actually a pretty interesting article, although it's really bizarre, like just the way it's written. Mm -hmm. There was also, um, Oh, you know, Benioff took took one of these this opportunity of him getting interviewed the other day to um, was it the Twitter CEO that he got so pissed off that he wouldn't mm -hmm. support him on the Prop C thing? Yeah. Also, I didn't realize this, but I guess the Prop C thing didn't it, it passed, but it didn't pass with enough of a majority to not be challenged in courts. So it's still, I guess, it's going through you know court challenges and stuff right now. <laughs> I actually don't even remember what Prop C is supposed to be doing. It was um. It was just something, oh, it was something that would, it would tax businesses over oh, a certain right. amount of yeah. either income or employees or something like that. Yeah. Um, just to raise money for to the homeless yeah. initiative. Well, Oracle, well, Oracle no, no longer dreams of cloud dominance. Why not? Well, I think because they realized that. That was, there was no a total pipe dream. Remember when they remember when uh, remember when Ellison? This is this goes back a few years now, but um, he said that. I mean, basically, his quote was like, "Amazon is no longer the king of the cloud," and people are like, "Are you okay, Uncle Larry? <laughs> <laughs> you feeling? You take your meds? I mean, <laughs> um, I I read that uh, Gartner doesn't. They're not even on the quadrant. Hmm." They're well, listening. They, like, they didn't want to pay the, the Gartner fee. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure they pay their Gartner fees. Everybody <laughs> pays their Gartner fees, John. Um, we need to start up a good day fee, a good day <laughs> fee. 
How, how'd rich. that work? I don't know. Just pay <laughs> us and we'll put your logo somewhere. So I, so I guess when they started that cloud initiative, um, Oracle started a new Seattle office, which was going to be like their cloud office. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much, how crazy they were going. But listen to this. So the company in 2014 began the process of hiring thousands of people in Seattle, promising them big paychecks, resources, and an opportunity to make their mark on the technology industry. Many of the engineers were poached from established leaders like Amazon and Microsoft. Mid-level product managers were being offered $750,000 in compensation, while some engineers with a vice president title were paid more than $5 million a year. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oracle's pitch to these programmers was that they could replicate all the good things about their other cloud services and fix all the perceived mistakes. Um. And they hired up to like, I think it was like 5,000 people, but then then that all came crashing down. They mm-hmm. they uh, removed around 2,000 positions from the cloud division. And now, our, and now Oracle's just pivoting and basically, I mean, a lot of what they're calling data centers are they're just really kind of leasing space in another data center that then Oracle operates that. I mean, which is which is a valid business model, mm-hmm. but it's not like they own the the building, the facilities, everything there. All right. But yeah, Does no, this article talk about them rehiring? Is that what this one is? I didn't. Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, Oracle said by next year, it will have more global data center hubs than Amazon. And the company announced Tuesday it would hire 2,000 people to support the worldwide expansion. Yeah. So I read that because they, they, yeah, it, it talked about them laying off a bunch of people and now only to be rehiring. And so I think the market saw it as a kind of a, I don't know, as a good thing. They saw it as a good thing. They saw it as a way of them, you know, maybe they didn't have to figure it out back then. They tried it, it didn't work, but now they're relaunching this and, and now they're rehiring to scale it back up. Yeah, and I think they're they're also, I mean, they're talking about a lot of pivots to, uh, to partnering with the cloud providers. I mean, they're, <clears throat> boy, they're, Larry has really screwed up their relationship with Amazon, though. Well, the, what was in the news today was that Amazon has a, I guess officially they're done replacing. I mean, all the internal internal mm. Oracle database usage they had, which was I think they said something like seven hundred fifty thousand databases, or, seven, or maybe it was seventy five thousand databases, something like that. Some ridiculous number though. Um, I've all been migrated off of Oracle. Yeah, I think Oracle in general has really, really made it some bad decisions when it came to their customers. I think they took the approach of where are you going to go? You, you your your product your platform is built on our database where you're going to go. So we, 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 yeah. you know, and they've, and, you, and you can they throw, went somewhere. You can. AWS went somewhere. SAP's going somewhere. You got to believe Salesforce is still working on going somewhere. I, you have to believe they are trying. Yeah. Although, you know, there's, you know, there's the strategies of like, you know, when you pick a, a, you know, any, any tools that you're using, especially if they're commercial and you're licensing them, that's not something you own. You, you always try to have some kind of a layer that 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 tries to limit the coupling between all of your intellectual property and this other vendor's stuff that you're coupled to, right? Right. It's never perfect. We've talked about that stuff before, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but if you really needed to get rid of this thing or replace it with something else, you know, do you want it to be something that is a pretty damn big project or something that's an impossibly huge project that would put you out of business, right? Well, I'll take pretty damn big, you know. At least it's doable. It may hurt a hell of a lot, but it's doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what, you know, Amazon, obviously, a lot of smart engineers. 
they were able to, you know, detangle all their stuff from Oracle. But I, I really feel like, I mean, when you look at Salesforce, I mean, just looking from some of the air, like when the when the Oracle error messages bubble up, I mean, I mean, Salesforce is like they're one of the things that they're so prized for is like is the security model and everything. And I think it's really deeply tied into Oracle features, hmm. <laughs> Oracle specific yeah. features, and and I mean, it's it's not impossible to rebuild that on another technology. I mean, you know, you the performance may not be the same, or you know, you may have you may be making some trade offs, but there's there's nothing there's no there's no um, it's it's not that there's it's not that you can't accomplish these things on on another platform on another database. I don't know. You want to hang your hat on performance? They've already offloaded performance from their servers onto our clients. More so. Um. Yeah. They've even gotten more aggressive with the caching with this winter twenty. Oh, in Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. I just keep open. I just keep the Dev Tools open in Chrome because when you have Dev Tools open, if you right click on the refresh button, there's like that empty cache and hard. Oh yeah. You just reload. do Shift Command R. Does that? So I don't know which one that does. That does the middle one. There's okay. there's another one that's the really hard, really hard one. That's the one I do. I just I there, the there's new. the there's the soft one. There's the there's the really hard one. <laughs> the really hard one doesn't have a hotkey, so sure you do have to have your dev here. tools open to to run that command. I've never yeah. found a hotkey for it, and it doesn't have it labeled. So you do have to do that one. But the the command the shift command R or at least for me, I don't know what it is for Windows works Double just trip. fine. Do you have to have? But dev better tool? yet, if you're going to be doing that. Go into your setup and type in debug in your quick and enable um, lightning debugging. And that should help as well. Oh, uh, I, just got a, I just got a notification here. Uh, live follow-up. Uh, Benny F. will be on Fox Business tomorrow morning <laughs> with uh, Maria Bartiromo. The, um, uh, what they call her? I don't uh, what was her nickname? Some, uh, that she had some probably uh, chauvinistic nickname. It seems like it was to me. I Something. Um, I know what you're talking about, but I don't uh, remember. Anyway, um, uh, I'm surprised it's going to be on Fox. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think his. I remember uh, going to Dreamforce one year, and Tony Robbins singled out Fox. And just oh, did did he? he like did this like I don't know. It was maybe a paragraph long of a rant on Fox, and I was like, okay, wow, that's odd. I thought we were here to talk about tech okay. and all this stuff, and here's Tony Robbins talking about the evil Fox. So Maria Bartiromo was nicknamed the Money Honey in the late 90s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch her on CNBC. I mean, she's a, uh, she's a smart cookie. Um, all right, John. Well, this has been a weird show. <clears throat> well, I, I, you, I kept taking a pause and taking a breath, and you would take Sorry. the show right up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's being live produced, John. <laughs> There's no editing here. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna drop a few f bombs and make it an, oh, an, no. an editable show. No, please don't. Um, I need a I need a dump button. That's what we need, and it, it runs oh. seven seconds ahead or behind or oh, whatever. <laughs> that one's definitely got to be a title. Because <laughs> I don't have too many of them. I don't either. Well, it's it's tough to have titles when you're 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 choosing your words very carefully because of the topics of this show today. It's it's been a very difficult show to talk about. I mean, for me, just trying to make complete sentences takes one hundred and five percent of my brain power, so it's hard to also think about titles. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've just been choosing my words as carefully as I can, but I don't. Anyway, so I want to talk about the. It, it feeds into another reason I think that uh, Apex will be going away. Not anytime soon, though. But uh, the uh, local development of uh, Light. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it OWLC now or OL? OSLWC. OSW. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be able to say it. 
LWC, Lightning. I'm just going to say Web Components. I don't like having the L. I just say Web Components. Okay. In my world, you know what I mean when I say Web Components. Yep. But yeah, so um, it's a beta feature, and you're supposed to be able to install the plugin, and you're supposed to run it, and it'll essentially run a local session, a local service session with your Lightning Components, which I think is going to be pretty interesting, because one of my biggest problems right now with, with developing Aura or Lightning Components is I basically create a what I call my sandbox page. And mm-hmm. so I can have a tab and I can put my components on and isolate it from everything else. And of course, I have to open up the interfaces to show on wherever, just so I can just have a, an isolated place to see if my components rendering correctly or if it's working right or, you know, those kind of things. So I think having a local development environment will help a ton. Oh, that's cool. Um, I mean, I know it's, I mean, I know what you can do with it is still, you know. It's still, still limited. It's still beta. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find it interesting when they, when I got into the roadmap section because it, it um, highlighted a few things. One of them is... Uh, my favorite IDE, Illuminated Cloud, got a shout-out, which is pretty cool. Um, so on the roadmap, it says integration with Visual Studio Code and Illuminated Cloud to enable running the server and opening components without having to use the CLI directly. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, Locker support. Of course, we all love Locker. Uh, support for all base components. That's always kind of been an odd thing for me is that base components don't seem to get supported in a lot of things. They're kind of... It's it's really weird. Hmm. Um Support for all modules such as Salesforce Apex Continuation and Salesforce Content Asset URL. I haven't used those, so I don't know. Uh, tooling to manipulate component attributes without hard coding values. That could be really cool. Uh, and debugging directly in Visual Studio Code. Uh, curious about debugging Illuminate Cloud, but I'm assuming a Visual Studio Code can do it. It can do it. Oh. Oh, and, and so some of the other features of it that I thought were pretty interesting is that because you have this kind of isolated environment, you should be able to get better kind of feedback on your errors and handling and things like that. So if there's an error or some kind of syntax error or something, you'll get some better feedback on exactly where it is. You should be able to see what line that that error was from in the code. So I think that's that's going to be really cool. And you look like you're ignoring me, so... No, I mean, topic. I'm... It, it makes <laughs> sense what you're... I hear your words. You hear my words. Yes. So. Uh, you're probably again. I'm doing so much um, system level stuff these days. Really? Yeah. See, I'm about to do a, a big lift on the application that I'm working on, moving it away from Aura, moving it to Web Components. I know there's still a lot of gaps between the two, but I think for the things that I need to have available, I should be able to get it all accomplished. Um, Tell me about this gap. The gap? Mm-hmm. Which gap? Between Aura and and Lightning and web components. It's not a big gap. I think there's just certain components or certain features that aren't available in one or the other. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but I know when I was doing my research and trying to understand um, at the time what was available and what wasn't, or I might even seen some things on our Slack channel, um, there were some things that just weren't covered, but nothing major. Hmm. I did already find some rendering issues with Winter 20, so there are some, some changes to the design system that did affect some custom styling that was implemented in the application that I have. They were done incorrectly, so I'm not surprised, but um, I did start to notice that. So for anyone who's doing some heavy custom CSS stuff, you might want to make sure you double check your rendering in, in Winter 20. I call it the uh, the coconut poop edition. <laughs> I swear, when I saw that icon, I saw the, the coconut drop. I saw it for a second. I thought, did he poop? I haven't seen it. <laughs> so it's it's the Astro character, I think is the name, and he's sitting in a hammock between two palm trees. And hey, wait, isn't that a, isn't that a uh, a show between two palm trees? Uh, is it? 
A little, little romantic yeah. sitcom. I think it's Between Two Ferns. Have you not heard of that? It's no. uh, Zach Galifianakis, I think. Oh. Anyway. I know what you're talking about, and I think I know what, what you're talking about, but that's not what I've seen. But anyway, so th- there's a split second before it goes away, and you just see a little coconut drop. And uh, there's... Bloop. At one point, I was just half tired or half asleep or something, and I just thought, did he poop? Yeah, it was funny to me. That's weird. I am weird. Um, I meant to tell you this the other day, but if, if for anyone who's interested, because um, you mentioned Locker, that's what reminded me of it. But if uh, if you want to if you want to see what technology Locker is built on, um, go look. Uh, it's on GitHub. A project called Agoric, or I guess it's SES. It's by Agoric. Um, GitHub.com/slash/agoric/slash/SES. Agoric is A G O R I C. It's a so SES, which stands for Secure ECMAScript, is a frozen environment for running ECMAScript strict mode programs with no ambient authority in their global scope, and with the addition of a safe two argument evaluator. By freezing everything accessible from the global scope, it removes programs' abilities to interfere with each other and thus enables isolated evaluation of arbitrary code. Hmm. I always thought Salesforce Home grew. <gasps> Are you scandalized, John? <laughs> Locker service. In fact, I give them a lot of credit for, for having to build that technology. Oh, Me man. thinking that, that you know they had a very unique <laughs> use case here and then come to find out. Man, next thing you know, someone's going to tell you Santa Claus isn't real. What? I didn't say he wasn't real. I'm just saying someone would tell you that. Oh, somebody keeps eating the cookies. <laughs> I think that may be you. <laughs> <clears throat> Into that? <laughs> oh, I'm not ready. I know. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> That's the other thing. The our our typical closing outro things. I've got to I've got to do live now. You don't have to. You're choosing to. I know. I just, I, I mean, we might as well, right? You're giddy about it. You're like, I get to do this I, it, slide. Did, it is a fun challenge. I get to just kind of hit save and I'm done and I can walk out the door and John has to sit here once again and click a bunch of buttons. Yep. Yeah. And you know what I say to that? <laughs> Good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You left too long of a gap. Yay. You failed.